This morning's scripture comes from Acts 4, verses 32 through 35. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned lands or houses sold them and bought the pro brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. to God. You may be seated. Um, in December of 1987, while I was a sophomore in my college, year, sophomore year of college, the movie Wall Street came out. Uh, this was a quintessential portrayal of 1980s excess. In the movie, Michael Douglas portrays a ruthless Wall Street player, Gordon Gecko, who memorably pronounces, greed is good. Despite the movie's very clear judgment of the illegal and immoral behavior of Gecko and the young stockbroker portrayed by Charlie Sheen, who is corrupted by Gecko's promises of riches and power, Douglas and Sheen, as well as director Oliver Stone, have said that for years after the movie's release, people would approach them saying that the movie inspired them to become stockbrokers. Such is the way of the kingdom of man of which we all belong. Thank God, literally, this is not the only kingdom available to us, and it is certainly not the kingdom we are here today to try to live into and to bring into this world. A kingdom where we don't have to scratch and fight and step over others to have what we need. A kingdom where love is the guiding principle, where peace is known even in the midst of turmoil, where grace is given and received, where life is eternal and filled with holy purpose. God's kingdom, the kingdom that has begun yet has not come in fullness, but in whose hope we are called to live even as we wait. That is our kingdom. In the early church, as the four short verses Cindy read for us today show, in the early church, the Spirit-filled community did everything they could to shine the light of God's kingdom both within the community itself and into the larger world they were a part of. It is insightful for us today then to take note of what characteristics the early church embodied so that we can try to do the same. And I want to thank Pastor Clay for the way he broke down last week's scripture for us in his sermon because it really inspired me to look at this week's text differently 
than I might have done otherwise. So much like Clay did with us last week, I want us to look at these verses and focus on just a few key phrases that describe the early church, and that should be guiding principles for how we do church, how we are the church today. So, if you look in your bulletin or if you have your Bibles, right off the bat in verse 32, we see the church described as being of one heart and soul. Of one heart and soul. Now, that sounds positively quaint and lovely to us when we hear those words read, as they are often read to us in church, but that also sounds like a complete fantasy. To those of us here in the 21st century, maybe especially in 21st century America. One heart and soul? When all we see around us is division and separation in both large, serious, worldwide matters as well as in small, trivial, more personal matters? One heart and soul? When we love nothing more than our individuality, especially as it is expressed in having everything our own way. One heart and soul? When we are living in a world where even following Jesus has been divided into so many different expressions and theologies and traditions? But yes, The early church was able to live a life of one heart and soul, and we can too, once we focus on what it means to do so. To live as a group who is of one heart and soul is to live with a unity of purpose, a unity of mission, and a unity of values. To live a life of one heart and soul is to live with a unity of purpose, a unity of mission, and a unity of values. This is about knowing who we are, why we are called to be together at this time and in this place, what we have to offer to the world, and how we can best use the gifts and graces of the individuals who are here in our community to collectively bless our little kingdom our little corner of God's kingdom here in Alabaster. And I believe we have been blessed at Alabaster First United Methodist Church with a clear, inspirational, and aspirational vision of who we are. It's right here. Just checking. (laughs) Seek God, love people, live in hope. When we focus on living out these things together, the things that make us different from and differ with each other, they fall away. Because we put down those things that would divide and instead work as a spirit-filled team to seek God's will, to love the people he has placed in our sphere of influence, and to live lives of hope that draw others into community with us for the community into, uh, into our community for the glory of God and the transformation of the world. We are at our very best 
our most early church-like when we put down our personal wishes and desires and dreams and take up the purpose, mission, and values of the God-assembled community. It is good to know that here in God's church is where we are able to take respite from the divisiveness and turmoil that taints other parts of our lives and to take our rest in a communal life of one heart and soul in Christ. I pray that it may be so to the glory of God here at Alabaster First. So that's characteristic number one, easy peasy. What's next? Well, we don't even have to finish the first verse of today's text to see it. Everything they owned was held in common. Hard pass, right? Hard pass. But let's take a moment and think about that. And let's think about why that idea makes us so very, very uncomfortable. I think it may be because many of us here today are privileged enough to think that holding everything in common would be a detriment to us individually. I think that is at least part of it. And it's very short-sighted. And it's not a very eternal way to live. I want us to think beyond our possessions, our homes, our money, all of those things that we feel threatened, are threatened when we hear words like everything was held in common. And let's just think more broadly about what we each bring into this community when we gather. Remember, one heart and soul. What do we bring with us that could be of service to the community within and without the walls of our church. Now, as unique individuals, we all bring something to the table that is of great value to the community and the world. Every one of us has something of value to share. Every one of us has something of value to share. Some of us have connections that can help smooth the jagged edges of the bureaucracies the least of these struggle to navigate. Some of us have gifts of great compassion and the time to give to be of assistance to those in need. And some of us have skills and abilities that enable this church to do so much more than what the few hands of the paid staff could ever do on our behalf. We have passions and talents and we have the Spirit of God within each of us that nudges us and pushes us to all use all of who we are and what we have been given to serve one another. And I want us also to think about this. I want us to think about how we aren't all or we aren't always in a position where we would be detrimented by this concept of holding all in common, but instead could be benefited. Some of us who are here today or listening today may be food insecure 
or in need of transportation, or looking for guidance to help them from coping with life in harmful ways. And yes, some here today need financial help, plain and simple. And even if no one gathered here is in need of such things, someone out there is. And if not us, then who will be there for them? We are at our very best, our most early church-like, when we keep all that we are and all that we have open to one another. It is good to know that here in God's church is where we are given the opportunity to give freely when life is good to us, but it is also where we know we can find a lifeline when challenges threaten us. I pray it may be so to the glory of God here at Alabaster First. So what is the next tidbit about life and Christian community that we can glean from today's text? How about, with great power, the apostles gave their testimony? I mean, it just keeps getting better, doesn't it? I mean, testimony, scary stuff, even for us living here in the Bible Belt. Or maybe I should say, easy for us to forget the need to share our testimony here in the Bible Belt because we are under the false impression that everyone is a believer already. We don't need to say anything, right? Wrong. Even though it is true that church attendance is higher in the state of Alabama than in many other parts of the country, even if you say that those who attend church regularly, or at least a few times a year, even if you say that all of those people are Christians whose lives are transformed by their beliefs, do you know that that still would leave 16% of Alabamians out? Now that may sound like a small number, but that's 800,000 souls. We as those inside the church, are prone to thinking that most people we are in regular contact with believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And for many of us, this might be true because we tend to run in homogenous circles with each other. But we need to be careful making assumptions about what those around us believe and we need to be careful not to keep our world so small that it is actually true that everyone we know believes what we believe. We need to get out more because we have a big, life-giving, life-changing story to share. Now, Pastor Reed talked to us a couple of weeks ago about the importance of being ready to give our testimony to those that we meet. He talked about how this doesn't have to be daunting. It can be as simple as seven words. And he challenged everyone to consider what their seven-word testimonies would be and to share it with him. And Alyssa, Pastor Reed's wife, actually put a post on Facebook and invited people to share their testimonies there. And I want to share one that was 
publicly posted on Facebook, and it spoke compellingly to why that particular writer loved the church. Here's what they said. God doesn't feel mad at me here. What is your testimony? Have you written one yet? One that compels anyone who hears it to want to hear more because I want to hear more from the one who wrote that. We are at our very best, our most early church-like when we share the hope we find in Christ and in Christian community freely with others, not afraid to share and not keeping it all for ourselves. It is good to know that here in God's church is where we are given the opportunity to live vulnerably and to find a grace and a love and an acceptance that we can't help but share with the world. I pray it may be so to the glory of God here at Alabaster First. Finally, in closing, I want to lift up one more thought that kind of ties it all together in a beautiful phrase near the end of today's text. There was not a needy person among them. Gordon Gecko, he told all of us in the 80s that greed was good, and many fell right into that trap, and many still do today. But fortunately, there have always been other voices that remind us that Jesus died to save us from the traps and snares of the earthly kingdom. That there is a way to live abundantly, bravely, open-heartedly, generously. And that when we live this way, the needs of those around us are dealt with, with love and grace, spiritual needs, physical needs, financial needs, emotional needs. This is what we are called to be of one heart and soul about. This is what we are to give sacrificially to do. This is how our testimony is heard most loudly in the world taking care of the needs around us out of the abundance of our shared blessings. And remember, sometimes we will be the one meeting needs, and sometimes we will be the ones in need. Sometimes we will be both at the same time. In fact, together as a community, that is exactly what we should be both meeting needs and confessing needs. We are at our very best, our most early church-like, when we have our eyes open to the needs of those within our community and of those in our surrounding community. It is good to know that here in God's church is where we are assembled and equipped for this transformative work in the world. I pray that it may always be so here at Alabaster First to the glory of God. Let us pray.
Gracious God, you challenge us with words like these, words that simply mirror what your early church was like. We feel like it is impossible to be these things, but Lord, (laughs) you are within us all. And you have done mighty works through us here at Alabaster First, and you have mighty works planned for our future. We cannot wait to see what you do with us, how you unite us in one heart and soul for the purpose of filling the needs of those within our walls and those that we have not met yet in our community. Fill us up with your empowering spirit that we may be all you made us to be for all of the purposes you have assembled us to do your work here in Alabaster. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.